you're listening to the Living Word Church Podcast. To learn more about Living Word Church and our service times, visit us online at livingwordli.org. Today's message comes from our lead pastor, Doug Jansen. Does anybody know what the words I'm about to read are? If you know what they are, go ahead and just yell them out. The first service had no idea, okay? So I'm just going to let you know. If you don't know, don't feel bad, but I'm guessing some of you do. So go ahead. If you're watching online, type into the chat what you think this is, okay? So here are some lyrics. Full steam ahead, Mr. Boatswain, full steam ahead. Full steam ahead it is, Sergeant. Cut the cable, drop the cable. Aye, aye, sir. Aye, aye, Captain, Captain. Anybody know what that is? Oh, I heard somebody say it in the back, but they're very timid. Do you know what it is? Whoa, Allie. Can we give it up for Allie? Come on. Come on. Yes, that's Yellow Submarine by the Beatles. It's the bridge. I've never actually heard that song all the way through, but here is the relevance of this, of this song, is that... Um, Andrew, our worship pastor, every time we're going to close a message out, he always says, well, what, what would be a good song to close the service with? And so over the years, for about 12 years now, my standard go-to joke with him is Yellow Submarine, and we kind of joke back and forth about this, and he hates it. It drives him crazy. So when you see him after service, if you could just ask and request, each of you, all of you, all right, that we begin to do this more often. But obviously, it's just a joke between the two of us, and um, I sent him those lyrics recently, and uh, you know, I, I searched my recent text, and about 60 times we've joked about this just in recent text so he's really sick of it but he asked about the song for today he said Doug how should we close the song the service today and I was ready to write out yellow you know but I didn't and instead he suggested a song he said what about the song king of heaven and we do it at Christmas time around here and when he said the phrase king of heaven it kind of just leapt out at me and I began to just think about that phrase king of heaven I began to pray about that phrase king of heaven and I want to talk with you today about Jesus, the King of heaven. Everybody say, King of heaven. You see, this is a loaded phrase. Like, there's a lot going on in that phrase, King of heaven. I want to start with the second part of the phrase first, heaven. So we just did a series a few weeks ago. We ended a four-part series on heaven, and we talked about how amazing heaven is going to be. And I want you to think about the fact that before Jesus ever came, he was in heaven, right? And I want you to think about that means he laid aside, he left and laid aside a whole lot to come rescue you and me, right? Here's what I think about you and me. I believe this is true about us. I think, whether we've ever said it out loud or not, we often kind of understand someone's love and devotion by what they're willing to lay aside for us, right? Like in life, if somebody lays something big aside for us, we begin to go, oh, wow, that's a really big deal. They begin to really show us how much we're valued when they lay something that was valuable to them aside, you know? Like, I think about every chick flick that's ever been made. Not that I've ever seen any, but people talk and I hear things, right? No, but, but every chick flick ever made basically comes down to this, right? There's this guy living in New York City. He's got a $7 billion salary and he's got this amazing house and he lives up in the top suite and he hasn't been home in 20 years in Pennsylvania and, you know, he left there and he ended up hearing that his dad passed away and he hadn't talked to him in 20 years. So he went back and he saw this girl that he dated in high school and the two of them you know, are both dating other people, and by the end of the movie, somehow those two are together, and the people they were dating, and they got together somehow, even though they live in different states, right? This is ridiculous, but not that I ever saw anything like that, but, but the whole thing is, right, the whole clincher, the whole tension point of the, of, the, of the movie is, will he lay aside the $7 billion salary and move to the one-room house to be with her, right? Like, that's always how it ends, and I think that in life, we often think, wow, they, they laid aside that for me. That's pretty amazing. They must really love me. They must really care for me. And I want you to see today what Jesus laid aside 
when he came from heaven. But the first part of that phrase is that word king. Everybody say king. So here is heaven. We just did a four-part series on it, how amazing it is. John's just trying to get out his understanding of heaven in the book of Revelation. He's sharing things that are kind of blowing our minds as we discover about heaven. It's amazing. It's incredible. And the king of heaven walks away from that to come for you and me. And so I want you to think about how much the king of heaven loves you. You see, I think this is really important for us because although many of us have a strong theology, we know who God is. We know God's love. I think on a practical level, on a daily level, sometimes we question it, don't we? We question the love of God. I think sometimes we say, God, do you love me? God, do you still love me? God, do you actually love me? And I think that there are some things that make us ask those questions. One is just pain and suffering in our lives. My body hurts, God. Do you still love me? Do you actually love me? God, my heart is broken. My family's falling apart. My finances are a mess. My job is in jeopardy. God, do you actually love me? We know it in our head, but in our heart sometimes not so much, right? I think another thing that can come at us is just the decisions we make. Sometimes we make bad decisions, and it's like, God, do you still actually want me? Do you still actually love me? Is, it, is there something in you that still desires a relationship with me? After I made that horrific decision, after I made that terrible choice, God, would you still want me? I think sometimes it's the way others have portrayed God to us, right? Somebody who says, this about God, somebody who says they're a follower of Jesus and then stabs you in the back, someone who says they're a follower of Jesus and then puts you down and, and tells you something uh, derogatory about you, and now you say, well, then that, if that person loves Jesus, and, and maybe that's how Jesus feels about me. And if I could just stop for a minute right here in the middle of our Christmas kickoff and say, if you've experienced that, I'm just so sorry. I am so, so sorry that you've seen a misrepresentation of who Jesus is today. And, and I pray that here this morning, you'll see what he's actually like. You'll see that he thinks differently than a religious person. You'll see that even his closest followers were always thinking he was going to do one thing, and then he did another thing. I want you to see a clear picture of who Jesus is. And so we need the reminder that God loves us despite our pain, in the midst of our pain. And I want to say, we will pray for you when it comes to the suffering in your life. We believe that God is a God who shows up, a God who does amazing things that only he can do. We wanna be praying for those parts of your heart that are broken. We wanna be praying for your job and your finances and the parts of your body that hurt, right? But at the same time, knowing that our physical pain and sometimes our circumstances and sometimes the way others have treated us and sometimes our own decisions do not stop the love of God, amen? It's continuing. And we're gonna see how much today but we also need the reminder that Jesus is king, don't we? We need the reminder that he is on the throne. We need the reminder that he is so incredibly powerful. And we're going to see today why that phrase, king of heaven, is appropriate for him alone. So why did Jesus, what, what did Jesus lay aside to come to us? And why is that phrase, king of heaven, appropriate for him? That's what we're going to see today. Paul wrote some beautiful verses in Philippians chapter 2. The last time I spoke two weeks ago, by the way, I know you guys were blessed last week by Pastor Bravone, brought some uh, incredible truths to us. But two weeks ago, um, as I spoke about Paul, we saw literally, here is Saul, he turned into Paul, right? God transformed his life, changed his name, became a passionate follower of Jesus. And this is what he wrote in Philippians 2, verse 6. He says, about Jesus, he says, who being in very nature God. That seems like a weird sentence because it's cut in half because we're going to get to the next part in just a minute. But he's saying, Jesus, who is in very nature God. 
Jesus is fully God. He wasn't a representative. He wasn't a demigod. He wasn't a half God, half man. He's fully God. Jesus existed as God. There's a word here, a Greek word called huparcho. I want you to say huparcho. Go for it. Huparcho means being or existed. And that word is really important in this verse that we just looked at. Because we were told that Jesus, who, who is and exists fully as God, Tom Constable makes this comment on that phrase. He says, the verb translated existed or being is in the present tense in the Greek text and points to the Lord's continuing exist, existence with the full nature of God. Listen, everybody. When Jesus came, he did not stop being God. But there's a verse about to feel like it contradicts that. So we're going to work our way through it. You ready? The next part says, Jesus, who was in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. You're like, wait, doesn't that kind of go against the verse before? So Jesus is equal with God, but he didn't consider that equality with God something he should hang on to. So does that mean he did become less than God? No, here's what it means. It doesn't have to do with Jesus being God or not. It has to do with his privileges. You see, Jesus had certain privileges that when he came to rescue you and me, he laid those things aside to know you, to come for you, to redeem you. He laid certain privileges aside. Listen, we all lay certain privileges aside at certain times, don't we? When we lived in Center Reach, we had a huge master bedroom and bathroom, like ginormous, like you could have played a full football game in our bedroom. It was just huge, okay? And our master bathroom was nuts. It was just so big. In fact, my nephew Luke back there used to love to shower. He's like 12, 12 year old kid. He calls up, can I shower in your bathroom? It's just so awesome. So Luke would come over and shower. The day we're moving out of our house, Luke calls us. He's like, can I take one last shower? Right? We have the moving truck loaded. Everything's ready. We're like sitting in the car like, why aren't we leaving yet? I'm like, Luke's in the shower. You know, like he literally came and showered one last time. And so we laid aside that privilege, though, and moved into a house here in, over in Smithtown, and our master bedroom is tiny. Like, I felt like I was in prison the first night we moved in. The, the master bathroom is smaller than most closets. Like, you sit down and hit your knee almost on the wall in front of you. And so there was a privilege that we laid aside. There was something that we had that we said, but, but because of what's ahead of us, we can, we can let that go. And here is Jesus, the King of heaven, looking at his people, broken and stuck in their sin and far from him, and equal with God, the Father, has every privilege the Father has, right? But he lays that aside, still fully God, but leaves the privilege Aside, and it says this the next part, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And that's Christmas, right? He came made in human likeness as a little baby boy. And the verses here are meant to inspire us to be like Jesus. That's why Paul was writing these verses, that we would become like him, that we'd serve one another like him. But I want you to think about what Jesus laid aside as he came for us. If you're a note taker, I want you to write down number one and get ready for this, okay? If you're not a note taker, just sit back and enjoy. But what did Jesus lay aside for you and I? What privileges did he lay aside? The first one is just the glory of heaven. The glory of heaven. Like there he was in the midst of it all, and he said, I'm going to lay this privilege aside to redeem humanity. 
Remember what was so wonderful as we looked at heaven throughout that series? Remember how John, again, just couldn't even get the words out because he's trying to describe something so beyond him and beyond us? And again, I want to encourage you. We're going to talk about some things about God today that are just very big, and we try to wrap our minds around them, and we can't. And I say this all the time. That is such a good thing. It's such a good thing that we cannot wrap our minds around all that God is because if he can be understood completely by this little brain, then he's not much bigger than me. Right? So praise God that as we talk today, there'll be some things that are like, I don't even get that, but that's just how big our amazing God is. And so he laid aside the glory of heaven. Number two, comfort. Comfort in Jesus. Uh, in heaven, Jesus didn't have a mom there to have to care for his needs and a, and a, and a body that hurt and exhaustion and, and emotions that would break his heart and loss. And like he experienced all of those things as he walked on earth, right? In heaven, he didn't need shelter or any of those things, but he would then lay that aside, the comforts, man. And I think, man, as Americans, one of the things we get stuck in is our comforts, isn't it? And here's Jesus just saying, there's something better. I'm going to lay my privilege aside to come for them. Now, these next few are tricky. We've seen the glory of heaven and the comfort that Jesus laid aside, but the next few are tricky because I want to remind you, Jesus didn't become less God or a lesser God or a demigod or half God, half human or any of that kind of stuff here, okay? He's fully God, fully man. So he always stays completely God, and yet there's this human side to him, right? Fully human so that he would walk like you and I walk in our pain, in our hardship, in our temptation, in our discouragement, and eventually in death, right? He, he walks fully in those things. And so I'm going to bring up a few things that Jesus laid aside at times, but I don't want you to get confused here. I want you to see him as fully God, fully man, completely God, completely man. And I, I want to illustrate this, and it's always hard to illustrate stuff like this because, again, God's just so big. But I hope that this helps a little bit, okay? I want you to think about somebody who has dual citizenship, okay? So they're, they're citizens of two countries. I'll give you some examples of celebrities. Angelina Jolie is a citizen in both America and Cambodia. Jim Carrey, America and Canada. Arnold Schwarzenegger, America and Austria. Put the cookie down now, right? All right, Elon Musk, because he's Elon Musk, doesn't just have two citizenships. He's got three, okay? Of course he does. America, South Africa, and Canada, and probably soon Mars, right? Um, he's a triple citizen. And then Emily Blunt, America and England. So here's the thing, okay? Jim Carrey is always a full citizen of America and Canada. Always. That's always true of him. But when he comes to America, he may lay some privileges aside, depending on laws, what you can and can't do, that he has in Canada ability to do those things, and then vice versa. And so he's always fully both, but he can lay a privilege aside depending on where he is. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Always fully God, always fully man. But laying aside the privilege afforded to him by being fully God to know you, to come for you. So number three, what's the third thing? We saw the glory of heaven. We saw comfort. The third thing that Jesus laid aside is timelessness. Jesus is timeless. Now, we can't fathom that. Raise your hand real quick if you are an on-time person. Some of you are even like, I gotta be on time for this, right? Like I mean, Some of you guys shot that hand right up, right? Some of us struggle with it, though, don't we? 
It's hard to be on time. I won't tell you who's on time, me or my wife, but she's on time. But uh, it's, it's really hard, right? And it, because we're owned by time. It's just, it rules everything. You know, I, I talk with you guys always as people are coming and going. It's like, how are you doing? It's just like, I'm so busy. I'm so tired. I'm exhausted. It's just so busy. The staff and I were talking the other day. Could we like invent a new day or something? Or like, just what could we do? Because time just always seems to own us. So we are highly impacted by time. We are constrained by time. But God, right, Jesus is timeless. And so he lived outside of time. I want you to think about something that has no bearing on you, something that impacts you in no way, okay? For me, one of those things is golf. My man Ricky here just just his heart just sunk because he loves golf, okay? Some of you guys have um, asked me, Doug, do you want to play golf? And I'm like, you do not want to play golf with me, I promise you. The one time I played golf in my whole life, uh, a rich businessman out in Colorado took me and my brother-in-law and my dad out to play golf. We, we played on the side of the Rocky Mountains. Like, you think that's going to be an easy course, right? And so uh, he tees off, and then I tee off, and he's a good, whatever, 100 yards ahead of me, and my ball's going right for him, right? He dodges right, dodges left, and then just escaped with his head still attached to his body, okay? So I pretty quickly was like, I just almost killed the wealthy businessman in Colorado. I probably shouldn't keep going with this, right? So I don't know. Ricky knows everything about golf. Like, you ask Ricky who's, you know, playing what and what is there, whatever, and, you know, like, I don't even know the words to use, right? But Ricky knows it. Ricky's on it. He's got it. We, you know, he, he loves golf. And I'm completely outside of the realm of golf. It has no bearing on me. And Ricky, man, who, depending on who wins or loses, right, like, it's a great impact on him. And, and that's a little illustration of of right? You and I, inside of time, we are Ricky, but God is outside of time, no bearing on him. Yet he walked right into time. He laid aside his timelessness. Uh, Alton Gansky says this, the timeless one became bound by time. Are you seeing what privilege has been laid aside? And again, think about you and I. We often estimate someone's devotion, their love to us, by what they're willing to lay aside. All right, number four, omnipresence. God is everywhere. God can be everywhere at once. This is just who he is. It's how big he is. I know we don't get it. The smoke's coming out of some of our ears here today, right, as we try to comprehend some of this stuff, but this is how big our God is. But the God who could be everywhere all at once walked streets and rode on a donkey and laid his head on a bed. You Think about what he laid aside. Number five, his omnipotence. God, who has all power, right? That's what that phrase means, to be omnipotent, is to have all power laid aside that power, didn't he? And listen, at times, you'd see him use it, wouldn't you? Healing the sick, right? You'd see him casting out demons, right? You'd see the spirit of God working mightily through him, but he laid aside that always power, didn't he? Right? Spoiler alert. He rises back from the dead in all power and authority. Okay, so just so you know, okay. Number six, omniscience. This is him knowing everything. Knowing everything. God, who knows all things, would learn. Listen to what Jonathan Pert says. He left the realm of all power, all knowledge, and all presence for a world where he would have to learn to walk as a little child and learn to talk. Are you seeing what he laid aside? Because you and I often estimate someone's love and devotion to us by what they're willing to lay aside. The glory of heaven, comfort, timelessness, omniscience omnipresence, omnipotence. This shows his love for you and me. 
This shows his love for you and me. Are you wondering today, does he love me? Is my pain louder than his love? No. Does he love me still? I've made some dumb choices. Yes, he still loves you. But that person made me think that God must be like that. Well, let's stop worrying about that person. Let's get back to who God actually is. He's the love of heaven. What does it mean that he's king of heaven? Everybody say king. Philippians 2 goes on. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So it wasn't enough that he laid aside all those privileges. Now he's going to die for us. And it's not enough that he would die for us. He would die even on a cross. Now, why does Paul go through the trouble to put the little dash there and say even death on a cross? Because the cross was horrific. The cross was reserved for the worst of the worst. The cross was about excruciation and humiliation. Jesus died on the cross for you and me in our place. You know, I think about the fact that here we live in 2022. And if someone is going to be executed by capital punishment, which is what happened to Jesus, in 2022, they have a needle put into their arm and they die, right? Now remember, God lives outside of time, so Jesus could have come whenever he wanted to accomplish salvation for mankind. But he didn't choose 2022 where they put a little shot in his arm and he falls asleep and dies. He came when capital punishment by the Romans was at its worst. Crucifixion was horrific. The beatings, the mockery, all that he endured. Cicero was born in 106 BC. He was a lawyer, scholar, and philosopher. And here's what he said. Read this with me. The very mention of the cross should be far removed, not only from a Roman citizen's body, but from his mind, his eyes, and his ears. Cicero is saying, Crucifixion so horrific. I pray not only a Roman would ever be crucified, but I pray they wouldn't even think about it, see it, or hear about it. And yet Jesus came then on purpose, inside of time, that purposeful, to suffer in our place, to show us his love, to prove to us his devotion. Goes on, therefore God exalted him to the highest place. Well, that sounds like a place given to a king, doesn't it? And gave him the name that is above every name. Well, a king holds a name that's above every name, doesn't he? And at the, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Well, that's what happens when a king walks into a room, right? In heaven and on earth and under the earth. But our king isn't just the king of a room or of a continent or of a territory or of a country. No, this king is the king of everything on the earth, under the earth, and the king of heaven. And it says, in every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is Lord. And, and often in the scriptures, especially Revelation 17, 14, we see Lord and King together. Revelation 17, 14 says, He is Lord of lords and King of kings. Everybody, what I want you to walk out here with today is that the King of heaven loves you. The King of heaven loves you. I know we know Jesus loves us, uh, us I know, and, but, but yet we wrestle. I know we know God loves us, but yet we wrestle with that. But what does it mean that the King of heaven loves us? The one who reigned over all of it and had to lay aside so much. And I only brought up six things. I mean, there are so many things he laid aside, but the, the glory of heaven and the comfort and the timelessness and the omnipotence, omniscience, and omnipotence, just incredible. That, that, that proves his love for you. Giving his life proves his love for you. But listen, raising again proves he's king. The king of heaven loves you. So if you're here today wondering if the pain and suffering in our lives somehow pushes aside the love of God, I just pray that there would be an overwhelming love. And what's so cool, man, is God's just so good to make this stuff real in our lives. 
like this, this, this big stuff that's way bigger than our brain. A lady walked through the halls after the first service. The lady's been coming to our church for probably seven years. That would be my guess. She looked at me with tears in her eyes. Listen to me, everybody. This woman who has been a volunteer, who has been in small groups, who has walked through these halls time and time again, she looked at me, she said, today I felt his love. Today. She's like, for the first time, today I felt God's love. And I just think about what she knew. I think about where she was. I think about the fact that God's just so good to meet us in such a real way where it's not an abstract philosophy. God is loving. Jesus is loving. But no, it's driven down right to where we feel and experience and need it so badly in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our hardship. I hope you know today that your body hurting and we want to pray for you your heart hurting and we want to pray for you, though your finances falling apart or your job or your family falling apart, man, is not evidence that God has stopped loving you. King of heaven loves you. Same with the bad decisions we make. The bad decisions we make do not rule us out from the love of God. Some of us believe that. Some of us run from Jesus. We run from church. We run, we run from community because we think that bad decisions rule us out. Listen, over time, as we know Jesus, we change and we grow. It's amazing. He does this work in our lives. I'm not who I was 20 years ago, 30 years ago. It's scary. I can't even say that, that I'm not old anyway. But, but like, like that's, I'm not who I was. You didn't really want to know Doug as a teenager. My wife could tell you. You didn't really want to know me as a teenager. Maybe, maybe you want to know me in my 20s, start, like, oh, hi, Doug. I'm going to stay over here. Like, right, you know what I mean? But over time, God is changing me. He does the same for you. But... That doesn't mean that a bad decision, something we've done and struggled with and given into, fallen short, suddenly does away with the love of Jesus. I think of some of us still maybe wrestling with that concept that this is actually a gift, that what we've been given is a gift. We will sit around a tree in a couple of weeks and we will give gifts. My kids did not earn my gifts, right? I love them and I want to give them gifts. In fact, I'm even paying for their gifts to each other. How does that work, parents? Right? Like, what's going on? Like, oh, here, Kate, this is for you. No, that's from me. What do you mean? That's another one from me. But these are gifts. And man, what a thing. And again, I know for some of, for some of us, it's like, Doug, come on, for real? This is like VBS stuff. Like, this is like Sunday. So like, Joey should be teaching this down the hall in the gym. But man, don't we wrestle with this stuff? I think it was C.S. Lewis who said something like, the love of God is... Simplest yet deepest concept. We have to keep wrapping our minds around it. We have to keep exploring it. Paul said, I want you to know the height and the depth of the love of God. What an amazing thing that we can grow in that. You know, Pastor Ravone and Kathy have been in ministry for over 40 years. They can keep growing in their understanding of the love of Jesus. Man, I would love for you and I to experience that this, this Christmas season. I think of... The fact that some of us feel like God must have just stopped coming after us, like, like he was on a mission to save us, and he did save us, but then we made that choice. And, and that must have like stopped the mission, it interrupted the mission, right? He's not on that mission anymore. He, he doesn't still want to save us now that we did that. 
you know? And I think about this, this Jesus who doesn't stop his mission. I didn't plan on talking about this this morning, but it hit me during the 930 service, and so I brought it up. But I told our team earlier during our prayer time before service that I heard this story about Bob Marley, not Jacob Marley. We're not going Christmas movie here, okay? Bob Marley, the musician. I don't know much about him. I literally just know this story, okay? Um, so he believed in a whole lot. I don't even know all he believed in, okay? But he would play music, but it was about more. It was about a message, I guess, that he was spreading at the time, okay? And again, I didn't know I was going to talk about this. That's why I didn't do any background, okay? So you're like, Doug, maybe you should have told us a little bit more about what Bob Marley believed. I don't know, but here's what's cool. He's up there playing music and spreading some kind of a message, right? And he believes in this message, and the message gets him in trouble because people want to take his life. They're against his message. They're against what he's doing. And a a group of people enter his home, shoot him, shoot his wife, okay? And two days later, he's back on stage and his wife is back with him and they're continuing to spread their message. And I told that to our volunteers this morning to just say, look, no matter what happens to us, as we are on mission to spread the love of Jesus, people hurt us, people betray us, we might get hurt in church, somebody does something, right? We're going to continue to do this. We're going to keep coming back even after we get shot, so to speak. And then as we begin to pray, it began to dawn on me like, hello, who's a better example of that than Jesus? The one who was nailed to the horrific cross and came back from the dead and keeps coming back. Died for the person who nailed his hands to the cross, right? Died for the person who initially betrayed him and accused him. He just keeps coming back. He's on a mission to rescue and to redeem. And so I, I know some of you here today might say, but I've just done too much or that thing was just so big. I just, man, no, it's not. Know the truth and know the heart of Jesus for you, that his love for you is so great. The king of heaven is still pursuing, for, pursuing you. What about the way others treated me? The ways others represented God to me. Can I just encourage you for a minute? Man, Jesus was so awesome because he was always confusing the disciples. The disciples thought, I got Jesus figured out. Here's what he would do or say. And then Jesus would come over and go, what are you fools doing? That is not my heart. That is not how I would have handled this, right? I, I think about Peter, right? And we got to love Peter's heart, man. Jesus is getting arrested. He takes a sword out and he chops off the ear of the man who was arresting him. And Peter's got to be thinking, Jesus, you see that? Jesus is like, give me the guy's ear. Let me put this thing back on, right? Like, man, I, I think that sometimes we think we know. But man, Jesus just was so different. His love so great. And, and the disciples were always messing up the great love that Jesus had and how people who were nothing like them should be treated. And it was the religious people that Jesus kept having button heads with, right? He was the, they were the ones he kept calling out. And so I just want to say, if you've been mistreated by somebody and you've misunderstood now who Jesus is because of that, would you look back at him and let me own that imperfect Christians do stupid stuff sometimes, and I'm so sorry. If I've hurt you or our church has hurt you or another church has hurt you, I'm so sorry, but get your eyes back on Jesus, I do not save you. Our church does not save you. That person that hurts you, that hurt you, does not save you. It's your Savior who saves you. Get your eyes back on him. The one who laid it all aside. The one who we can look at and determine his amazing love and devotion for us because of what he laid aside.
Next Sunday, man, invite everybody. We're going to laugh together. We're going to celebrate. We're going to sing together. We're going to look to the word of God. We are praying that God will use it mightily. We've been praying for this for months and months and months. We've been preparing for this for months and months and months. We've got four services, and we would love to see your family and loved one and uh, neighbors and people you go to school with there. It's going to be a powerful time. But man, this week, just walk through this week going, the king of heaven loves me. The king of heaven loves me. If you're not a follower of Jesus, do you know that the king of heaven loves you? Do you know that... Um, as you begin a relationship with him, everything changes, that he wants you to put your trust in him. Let me just close with this. How many of you guys have seen that movie, It's a Wonderful Life? Anybody? All right, cool. All right, so it's a great Christmas movie, and um, I don't really feel bad spoiling this for you because it, the movie's like 100 years old, so if you didn't see it yet, you can really truly blame yourself here. So it's an old classic Christmas movie. This guy, George Bailey, um, he begins to just see life fall apart and the pain of life gets at him. And he decides and makes this statement, it'd be better if I was never born. And so this angel comes and, and is now assigned to George and he's going to make sure that George sees what it's like if he, he, if he were never born. And so George begins to see the town fall apart. He begins to see that, you know, his wife, who he, who he would have married, becomes this, you know, old lady who does, never has kids, never gets married. Like, it's just a whole big mess that he sees and experiences. And, uh, you know, you, you begin to see the impact of George's life, right? And I think about that movie, and I just think, like, what if Jesus hadn't come? Like, what if he had decided that he wasn't willing to lay aside those things? What if he had decided that the pain and those things that he would have to walk away from were just not worth it. I mean, salvation goes away, grace goes away, forgiveness goes away, love goes away, hope goes away, healing goes away. Man, praise God, the king of heaven loves us. Let's pray together. Jesus, praise you today, God, for the amazing king of heaven that you are, Lord. God, we can't thank you enough, Lord. We're so grateful that we are loved and that our pain does not negate that, that our decisions do not negate that, that others' treating of us does not negate that, Lord. And so here we are, Lord, asking you to take us deeper into the love of Jesus. And so Christians in the room, would you do that? Christians watching online, would you do that for a second? Would you ask God to give you a greater revelation of his love? What a beautiful prayer. That's probably the most beautiful, pure prayer we can pray. Jesus, give me a greater revelation of your love. God, thank you for answering that prayer for that one lady who walked out the hall today. And I believe you'll answer it for, for us as well. Show us, Lord. Convince us. Let us see it. Let us feel it. Let us experience it. Fresh reminder of your love. King of heaven. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd love for you to put your trust in him today. I'd love for you to pray with me now. You could just say something like this quietly. Jesus, King of heaven, be my Savior. Be my Lord. Be my God. Thank you for coming for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for your kindness. Oh, Jesus, let me know you. And help me to just lay completely in who you are, not in what I can do. 
just lay down all my doings and tryings to save myself and just lay fully in your arms, God. Thank you for your love. Show me how close you are. Show me how near you are. In your name, amen.